And as part of the joy of this, of this series for me each summer is that we get to hear from all of our non-vocational pastors at Mosaic. They preach intermittently throughout the course of the year, but in the summer, they just preach week after week after week. And that's a great joy for me because I get to sit under God's word for seven or eight weeks this summer, which is a privilege. And it's also a joy for you because you get to be reminded that Mosaic Church is not built on a person. We're built on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ and his word, which never returns void. So you take me out of the equation, guess what? Christ is still faithful, and you still have faithful pastors in the life of this church. That's a joy. That's a joy. It's a joy for me. I hope it's a joy for you. Today we look at Psalm 47 in a sermon that I've titled, The Worship Reset. And let me cut right to the chase here. Today, today, right now, you are at a moment where we are pressing a reset button on corporate worship. So congratulations, this is a big Sunday to, to be here, so I'm glad that you're here. We're pressing a reset button on corporate worship. You, have to, you ever have to go looking for the reset button on your modem or your router or any sort of device? It's not, it's not like a readily accessible button. You know, they're like, uh, find a hair clip or a paper clip or the edge of a pin and press this very small button to do a factory reset. Sometimes it's important to do that. Sometimes you have to in order to move forward, and that is what we're doing today. So let's find out why. I'm going to read Psalm 47, and after I read it, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. The reason we do that is not just some dead ritual. It's because it's God's word, and we want to give thanks for it. I'll tell you, this will be the best part of the sermon right here, okay? So this is the high mark. Let me read Psalm 47 for us, and then I'll say this is the word of the Lord. You're invited to respond. Thanks be to God. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now look, before you even see verse 1, there's a little inscription there. Look at it in your Bibles. Now what's it say? It says, to whom? To the, say it louder, to the, to the choir master. To the choir master. Now you'll find these inscriptions scattered throughout the Psalms. Sometimes the Psalms have kind of designated recipients or a kind of person or the office of a kind of person to whom the Psalm is to be delivered. Now, when we see to the choir master, that should alert us. It should alert us because the psalmist is telling you, give this to the person who can lead everyone else in this song. So this psalm that you're looking at was almost assuredly a psalm that was intended to be used in corporate worship. A psalm that was going to be led by a choir master as he directed the congregational choir, either in the king's courts or in the temple itself. It was a psalm of praise, of adoration, and celebration to Yahweh. And this is important for us because it sets the context of this psalm. The psalm is meant for corporate worship. The psalm is meant for corporate worship. Do you know what corporate worship is? 
It's when God's people in a place gather for a purpose in the presence of God. Does that sound familiar to you? You're going to get sick of those four Ps by the time that you leave to go be with the Lord or leave our church family. Yes, corporate worship is a designated time when God's people in a place gather for a purpose in God's presence. And what is that purpose? To magnify the name of God and what he has done. Corporate worship is not about me. It's not about you. It's not a report card. It's not something a church must do because the state holds us to it. We are under no dictates to gather weekly, but the dictate of the word of God, which calls us to gather weekly in corporate worship. This is the expectation, and it has been the expectation since God brought his people out of Egypt, that, that his people would gather. And they would gather on a designated day to worship the Lord together. This has been the central, most formative way for God to shape his people since there was a people to be shaped. Which is to gather with God in worship. Everything else in the life of the church is beneficial. But corporate worship is essential. It's really the clearest expression of our life together every week. So I think that we should look at this psalm and ask ourselves if the context of this psalm is the corporate body gathered and the kind of hope of this song is praise and celebration, we should look at maybe some of the ways it talks or instructs worship because there's a lot of instruction here. Let's look at it, right? Just beginning in verse 1, what do we do in corporate worship? Well, we gather in fellowship. Well, what else do we see here? Clap your hands, shout to God with loud songs of joy, fear the Lord, right? We see uh, that, that we, we are to praise God with a psalm. We are to exalt God. There are so many things that we do in corporate worship. We gather in fellowship each week. That's one of the reasons why I'm never annoyed by the sound we make when we come together. You know, people have told me before, oh, you guys should play a song to let us know it's time to be quiet. There's not a time in our corporate worship service where it's time for you to be quiet. It's, it, part of what we're doing here is fellowship, right? Part of what we're doing is we've gathered together. We're going to make noise when we gather together. It's okay. It's okay for you to shift in your seat. It's okay for you to get out your Bible and flip the pages. It's okay for your kid to cry. It's okay to sit and whisper and go, did you understand that? It's okay. Fellowship is a part of why we gather. This isn't just a podcast you download to listen in the silence of your car. We're here, and it's going to be noisy, and that's okay. It's really okay. We gather in fellowship. We pray to our king. This is what the psalmist is doing. For the Lord, the most high, is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples. He chose our heritage for us. The pride of Jacob, whom he loves. And then you see that word there. What's that word? Right underneath loves in your Bible. Selah. This is pause for prayerful reflection. We pray when we gather. We reflect on what God has done. There are going to be pockets of silence. There are going to be times of meditation. The in-between of songs isn't for the band to get ready for the next song. It's a space for us to consider, do I really mean what I just sang? Do I really believe that? Where's my heart at this morning? There's an opportunity for us to pause and to meditate. So we gather, we pray, we clap, we make noise, we celebrate. You know what? Let's just go ahead and do this real quick. Let everybody clap real quick. There we go. All right. That's great. Okay. There we go. Okay. Now, it's not that scary, right? 
You know, it's not that scary. We clap. We make noise. It's okay to shout in worship. We sing with joy. Hopefully, as people, as people who have been rescued by God, even if the circumstances of our week are bleak, man, we come in as a people that still have the great gift of grace in Jesus, which is worthy of rejoicing and celebration. So we pray, we clap, we make noise, we sing with joy, we serve each other. We serve each other. Serving is a part of the way that we gather in worship. It's a part of the way that we bless one another. You know, from the very beginning, we've said, hey, we're a culture of opting into serving at Mosaic. If there's something that you think, man, wouldn't it be great if they were doing that here, if there was more space for that and more volunteers for that? It would. Why don't you serve? Why don't you serve? Serve. You, you should serve. Why? Because it's an act of worship. Let me just say as a note, when you serve in Mosaic Kids, you're not missing worship. You're gathering with us in worship. It's just you're over there leading kids in worship. That's an important part of the body. Those aren't Sundays where you go, man, I miss corporate worship. It's like, no, no, you were, that's cor it's corporate worship. <laughs> it's happening across the church right now. It's happening with little hearts and little minds. We serve each other. We shout loud songs of joy. We celebrate together. We rejoice. We remember what God has done. We look at God's word. The sermon is not, I'll tell you guys, this isn't, a, this isn't just a vanity exercise for me. It's exhausting to do this, you know? I don't get up here because I'm like, huh, got to check that box. God's word calls us to preach God's word and to hear God's word as a people. We remember what God has done. This book is not primarily about you and me. It's primarily about who God is and what he has done. And that's the most vital thing for you to remember. That it's not really a story about you. It's really a story about God. And each week we come in because it's very easy to think that our stories are primarily about us, isn't it? No, not for you. <laughs> Call me this week in the middle of a Thursday and tell me that it's not easy for you to slip into thinking that your life is primarily about you. It is. It's easy for all of us. And yet God's story reminds us that our stories individually are primarily about God. And his word is a story primarily about God. And yet he invites us to participate in it. So we participate in God's story. And we do that in worship. We confess our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. Corporate confession is a way of participating. The, the Lord's Supper is an opportunity for participating. Our songs are an opportunity for participation. Worship is not performative. It's participatory. That's why the psalm is addressed to the choir master. It's why it has explicit instructions for what to do. Because God is telling us, I know you don't know how to worship. I, don't, I know you don't know what to worship, so I'm going to show you what to worship and how to worship. And he does this because he's kind. We participate in worship together, but why? Well, the psalmist gives us many reasons. Look at verse 2. We participate in worship, why? Because God is Lord. He's the most high. He's to be feared. It says he's a great king over all the earth. That he's worthy of our worship and adoration and celebration and glory and hallelujahs and clapping and amen. God is worthy of those things. He is the one who deserves all glory and honor. I think of Romans 11. Oh, the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who knows the mind of our God and who has been given to him to counsel, who has given the gift to God that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be the glory forever. That's what we do in corporate worship. We remind ourselves that fundamentally the glory belongs to God. And we are reminded of what he has done. We are reminded of who he is, that he is Lord, meaning he's in charge of everything, that he is God most high, that he is the great king over all the earth. Why do we do this? Well, we do this because we belong to God. Look at verses 3 and 4. This is the cry of an Israelite's heart, and it's the cry of the Christian's heart. He subdued peoples under us. He nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us. The pride of Jacob whom he loves. Now, that's not language we often use of ourselves, and that's, that's okay. This is language that's uniquely situated to Israel's covenant history with Yahweh. And yet, it corresponds with what God has done for us in Jesus. He has given us an inheritance that is more than we deserve. He has given us a new future and a rewritten past in Jesus Christ. He is the shaper of our yesterdays and our tomorrows. We worship God because he is Lord. We worship God because he's king. We worship God because we belong to God. Fundamentally, you and I, if you're a Christian, you don't belong to you. You belong to God. You belong to God. You are his. And this is good news because look at verse 8. We sing praises with the psalm. Why? Because God reigns over the nations. God reigns over the nations. Has there been a week in recent memory where you did not need to be reminded that God reigns over the nations? I cannot think of one in years where I did not need to be reminded that God reigns over the nations. We need to be reminded of this truth. It's one of the crucial reasons we gather in worship. Look at verse 9. God doesn't just reign over the nations. He's faithful to his people. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. It's the psalmist is basically saying this. You were slaves once, and yet God has taken the children of Abraham who had been slaves, and he's called them a royal people. This is what God has done with Israel. It's what God has done with us. Not taking us out of Egypt into the promised land, but taking us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. This is what God has done. Why? Because God reigns. Look at verse 9. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. What does it mean to say the shields of the earth belong to God? It means that whatever protection you think you're going to get outside of God, God is greater than that. You think you got an army? God's greater than your army. You think your 401k is doing well? Tell me your secret first. But secondly, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His wealth is greater than yours, and it always will be. Are you discouraged with the state of the world? Talk to the one who can do something about it. We gather in corporate worship. And I know it's counterculture and it's counterintuitive. And honestly, the last two years, with all of its bumps and disruptions, I think the last two years has left us a little bit deceived. And I think this is a part of the deception. It's left us a little bit deceived that corporate worship, what we do here on Sundays, is just something we can sprinkle into the Christian life. That is not how God's Word talks about what we do here. I know it may be how you would prefer for God's word to talk about what we do here. And I get that. Because I know there are a lot of inconveniences associated 
with getting up and getting ready and getting to corporate worship. It's just not how God talks about what we do here. It's not just something nice that we sprinkle over our Christian lives. It is the 101 of discipleship, is to gather with God's people to celebrate who God is and what he has done. The weekly gathering of God's people in worship is core to what it means to belong to God's people. It is. And I know, I know that you think, well, of course you think that. You got to be here. And it's true. I have signed up for it. And I'm not here to motivate you with guilt or shame. Those are like espresso shots. Burst for the moment, not sustainable for the long term. That's not what I have for you. I have nothing but grace. I know that there are hindrances and obstacles for our weekly gathering. I know. And it still matters. It still matters. It's still essential because this is the central way God has been forming his people for 6,000 years. And every generation has been met with their unique hurdles and obstacles. And I'm not saying we don't have unique ones. I'm merely saying that every generation must answer the question, how will we come into the house of the Lord together? So we're going to figure it out. We gather each Sunday because it's one of the central ways we obey God. By honoring his call to give him the first fruits, not the leftovers, the first fruits and the chief sacrifices of our lives in praise and worship. But that's, that's crucial, but it's not really the reset button I want to hit today. There's one that I think is a little bit deeper down because you're like, well, pastor, I'm here. So I already hit that button, you know. I showed up <clears throat> and I'm glad that you're here. So I want to I hit a button maybe for those of us that are in the room. And this one's going to be a little bit more sensitive, if you could imagine such a thing. Not just why do we gather in corporate worship, how do we participate in worship? Now that's the button I want to hit. And I think what Psalm 47 demonstrates is there's two dynamics. And if you're a note taker, write these down because I want you to reflect on them later. Joyful excitement and holy reverence. Joyful excitement and holy reverence. Look at the psalmist. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Right? That's, that's joyful excitement. But just a few verses later, we see this pause of Selah. And Selah is quiet. It's an opportunity for reflection, for looking inward, for considering who we are in light of who God is. If, if the psalm begins with joyful excitement, it moves to holy reverence. And this is good because corporate worship is that. Joyful excitement and holy reverence. The psalmist talks about clapping, shouting, loud songs. So what does joyful excitement look like in worship today? Right? What does it look like for us? Let me, let me ask you a different way. What does it look like for you to express joy? It probably looks a lot like that. What does it look like for you to express excitement? It probably looks a lot like that. What do you do when your favorite team wins a crucial game? Right? Some of you are ready for it, you know? What do you do when you receive a gift you've waited for for a long time? What do you do when you see a friend that you've missed deeply and haven't seen for a while? What do you do when you have an incredible meal full of rich food? How do you express 
thanksgiving and joy and gratitude and beauty and love and wonder. Now, let's just invade corporate worship with that. With that. With surprise and delight and treasuring and wonder. And it won't look the same for all of us because we're not all the same. But God's inviting us in to worship in a spirit of joyful excitement. My guess is that whenever you experience those things, your face changes. You make noises. You do things with your body. Joyful excitement will come out in a myriad of ways, but God is inviting it in to the corporate gathering of his people. That we can express our worship with joy and wonder and delight and surprise, gratitude. But it's not just joyful excitement. Corporate worship is not just a weekly pep rally for Jesus. There are weeks where our hearts are heavy, like last week, when we entered into that heaviness together in lament and intercession. Because corporate worship isn't just the joyful excitement of, yes, God is great and his kingdom is going to go forth conquering. Sometimes corporate worship is getting together and going, where are you, God? It's not just joyful excitement. Sometimes it's holy reverence. The psalmist knows that joyful excitement is only one side. The other is pause, reflection, lament, which is bringing our griefs and sorrows to God. That's why he says, for the Lord the Most High is to be feared. Fear isn't what we think of of like jump scares in horror movies. That's not how the psalmist uses the word fear. It's the idea of reverence, of awe, of sobriety. That we would come before the Lord and be like, the Lord is to be feared, for he is great. This kind of fear is the kind of thing that you feel when you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. When you go, it's a lot bigger than me. Right? When you feel like it just washes over you. And you're right on the precipice of something incredible. That's what holy reverence is. A standing before God in corporate worship and saying, not I, but you. You, you're the glorious one here. You're the central one here. You're the most important one here. It's you, it's not me. And we need you. We need you and we want you. Right after verse 4, this little pause, Selah, that word there is more of a direction and step. It's almost like an editorial note. That's why when I was reading it, I, I kind of paused right there. I didn't lose my place. Because there's time for pausing, quiet, for silence, for reverence in the presence of God. Worship isn't just the joyful excitement of loud songs of joy. It's also the re prayerful reflection of a heart filled with the fear of the Lord. And this is the button I want to press. This summer, I, I want us to think about what it looks like to stretch, to grow, to reset. It's time for us as a church to begin with Discipleship 101 and renew our shared commitment to the vitality and essential nature of corporate worship. That's square one. No guilt, only grace. No quota. My year-end evaluation does not include how many people come to this service. I'm under no compulsion to tell you to be here other than that I think God is doing something unique when we gather. That's it. 
I lose no sleep over it, I promise you. It won't hurt my feelings. But I do think that it will produce long-term harm for us if we neglect the gathering of God's people. But more than that, because the goal isn't just for us to get here dragging ourselves in, but on that foundation, I want us to begin thinking about how do we stretch ourselves to embracing both a joyful excitement and a holy reverence in worship. And maybe you are on one side of that spectrum. Maybe your heart is a, you're more of an introvert, you're more of a quiet person. Maybe you're more glass half empty kind of personality. And you're thinking, I don't just, I'm not very expressive. That's okay. How is the Lord inviting you to grow and stretch in celebration, thanksgiving, and adoration? Just, just ask him. That's it. I'm not saying there's a specific way, but how is the Lord inviting you to do that? Or maybe you're somebody who's like, I'm glass half full, I'm ready to go. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, I'm excited. That's just where I'm at. I'm an extrovert and I'm loud. Well, then I think, wouldn't it be for you to look like, how can I reflect? How can I enter this space with greater reverence for who God is and what he has done? I don't know where you're at on that spectrum, but you are. And I wonder what it would look like for us to come to God and say, how do you want to shape me? How do you want me to grow in worship? Let me, let me give you the, my wife is going to kill me. Uh, let me give you the worst kept secret at Mosaic. You ready for it? It's about me. I love professional wrestling. She's, she's giving me a grimace because this is something that I've been tell, told to hold back. Um, unironically. It's not a joke. I, like, I, like I'm saying, I don't watch it because I think, like, oh, what a train wreck. Uh, I don't watch it because I think, oh, so I, I genuinely enjoy watching professional wrestling. It's not a gimmick. It's really who I am. Now, you can either take me or leave me, but it is who I am. And honestly, I feel like walking in the light, I feel a new degree of freedom right now in front of you. <laughs> there is something called a pop in professional wrestling. A pop. You guys are getting some inside baseball. This is free. You have to listen to a lot of podcasts to get this intel. I'm giving it to you in 30 seconds for free. All right? A pop. This is when a wrestler, their music hits, and the whole crowd explodes. Maybe if you were an 80s fan, this is Hulk Hogan walking out, running out, more like it. If you were Attitude Era, late 90s, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the glass break, crush. The crowd, boom, so excited that he's here. It's a pop. It's excitement. It's expressive. There's something that's happening there. And it happens in a moment. It's an event. When we enter into worship and we enter in with thanksgiving in our hearts, God is inviting us into the glory and the majesty of an event that elicits a response. That it provokes something in us to say, yes, God is great and glorious. So we respond in our voice. We respond in our voice. We shout. We thank God. We thank him out loud. We praise God out loud. We sing with strong voices. We shout out hallelujah. Say hallelujah real quick. Hallelujah. We say hosanna. Say hosanna. hosanna. Now, you may not think, I don't even know what hallelujah means. Do you know what it means? It means God be praised. You know what Hosanna means? It means save. It means rescue. We say these words. Why do we say them? Why is it okay for you to shout out hallelujah in worship? Because it is. The check is written. Permission granted. Why? Because it's true. It's true. 
It's not performative. It's participation. Now, am I telling you you should come in here ready each week for your routine? No. That's not what the space is for. But if God is doing something in your life, it's okay to respond to that. So we respond in our voice. We respond in our bodies. We bow in prayer. We sit down. We stand up. We lift our hands. We clap. We do these things, not because what's happening up here needs affirmation, because it doesn't, but because God does something. We're embodied creatures. Most of the most significant experiences of our life happen in embodied ways. So it's perfectly fine for us to respond in bodily ways. We respond with our attention. We put away our phones. Now, let me just encourage you here. And this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. If you're using your phone right now, bless you. No guilt, no shame. You don't have to hide it right now. I want to encourage you. Start bringing your Bible to church. If nothing else, it will lower your screen time percentage each week, and you'll feel less guilty. (laughs) So that's a life hack win right there. You can just check that one off. Listen, you can read God's word on your phone. You really can. I do it. Why do I not bring mine to corporate worship? Well, I don't because I don't want to be distracted. And it is an object of easy distraction. You can respond with your attention. Do you know a simple thing you can do to prepare your heart for worship? You can pray in your car while you drive to worship. It's a simple thing. No extra time. You're already driving. And maybe your kid is screaming bloody murder in the back seat. You just pray over that kid. Pray louder than he's screaming. You can take notes. You can mark up your Bibles. You can bring a notepad. You can make a commitment to however long your drive or walk home is to have a conversation in the car with whoever you're with. It could be you and the Lord or you and others to say, hey, I wonder what we learned in worship. I wonder what God's word said today. Did anything stand out? Was there a song that we sang? What did you learn in Mosaic Kids? These are ways that we can be responsive in worship. Okay, let me close with this. Confession. I'm not waiting for you to go here. I love you. I really do. I'm not waiting for you to go here. This is where I'm going. I'm inviting you to come with me. I'm not going to tear any longer. I'm ready for us to go in this direction, and I want you to come with me. It will only be weird if you don't join me, because I'm going to be right down here. And I'm going to be looking to have myself stretched in ways like this as well. And it's going to feel uncomfortable for me. I'm not immune from that. What feels socially weird to you feels socially weird to me. You know? My heart is not immune from those things. And it will be weird if you don't go with me. So that's what it is. It's an invitation for us to come into the house of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise, with hearts that fear the Lord, trying to grow with the Lord and worship together. I really love you. I really believe God has something for us when we gather. I know that he does for me. And I'm so excited to worship with you this summer. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus. We ask that you would bless us as we worship together. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you stand with us?